a tight ass. He's a sadist. Worship that never. Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. In today's episode, we are going to be reviewing the first five books of the Bible. Now, we don't get into every detail of every book, but my mother and I, for a New Year's resolution a couple years back, decided to reread the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. I believe it's called the Pentateuch. Um, I might call it the Torah in our discussion, and that might be incorrect, but uh, we give sort of our general impressions, and then we also talk a little bit about our own indoctrination. Mine as a young man under my mother, and my mother as a young woman under her parents. It's interesting to me to hear where she goes with these dis- with this discussion, because while I spent a considerable amount of time in my young adult life uh, working with my mother to free her of her indoctrination and to liberate her from her religious thinking, um, she has a slightly different view on what it was that she did to me as a child. And I think you'll I think you'll hear this when we in our discussion and the word denial pops into my mind. Um, I think parents generally want to think that they didn't do the bad thing, even though it's almost entirely obvious that they did. And I pointed out in the discussion, um, but this is part of a series uh, that I'm considering doing. I, I don't know if I'm still going to do it anymore, but this was one of my initial stabs at it where I was going to discuss the Bible and specifically indoctrination. Um, I feel that it is the most important thing that one can do with their life and their mind is to slough off and emancipate their minds from their religious belief. I don't think it's controversial to say that religious belief can be equated to shackles, shackles of the mind. Um, I saw it as a duty of mine to emancipate my mother from those shackles. I had noticed over the years that she was definitely traumatized from her religious upbringing. She also was very afraid of going to hell and often would be confused and Um, bewildered by the things that were happening in her life. She was unable to understand that her religious belief did not and would not in any way protect her from the bad things that happen to people in, in the world. And it was causing her a fair amount of anxiety and depression and just an over, like a, like an overarching or a overwhelming sense of unfairness. She thought that because she believed in God and did the things she was supposed to do, for instance, she, you know, indoctrinated me and she tried to um, go to church as often as possible and we read Bible stories before bedtime and she tried to instill those things into me and she tried to follow what she thought was God's word in her own life. 
um, by praying and asking for things, and she would get things and signs and so on. But yet things still didn't really work out for her in the end. And she didn't think she was getting what she thought she would if all the things she was doing was correct under God's word, then why was she not reaping the benefits, right? Never mind what happened to Job and, you know, never mind all the horrific tales of what Yahweh did to the Hebrews and to everybody around them and what Yahweh forced the Hebrews to do to their fellow man and all the horrific things that occurred under Yahweh in the Old Testament. Never mind the horrible things that happened under Jesus in the New Testament and the ridiculous um, proclamations that Jesus made. Never mind all those things. The Bible really didn't matter to my mother as we were growing up, although she did read from it and she did read to me from it. But it, it, none of it ever made any sense. And upon re-looking at the Bible and rereading those pages, now with a skeptical eye, you'll you'll notice in our discussion that she she's fairly advanced in her atheism as far as what she understands theism to be, right? I mean, part of becoming an atheist atheist is recognizing what it is that you are rejecting. And my mother went a long way into recognizing what it was that she was rejecting. To imagine God as a loving father, for instance, who sees all and knows all and is everywhere all the time. To recognize God in that way as evil, which is the only way God could be if all those things are true, then that took her a lot of time and effort. And she had to have it told to her in very specific terms and repeated multiple times. Now, she's not... Uh, she was never really uh, like a fundamentalist Christian, but she definitely didn't understand much about science. She wasn't formally educated other than high school and maybe just a, a few classes in college. So, she didn't have any of those opportunities. Um, and I saw it as my duty uh, after starting college to, to educate her as much as I could. And as I said before, the first thing that I attempted to do was to free her of these beliefs because they were, I believe they are, and, and they were shown to me to be by her very destructive. And personally, they, they, were, they weren't beneficial to her and they caused her a lot of emotional pain and suffering that she didn't need. But back to my, what the point I was trying to make was, is once you recognize God for what it is, right? If, if God really is everywhere all the time, that means, that means God is right now on the tip of my tongue, literally. God has its part in every possible thing thing that happens, including all the terrible things, and especially all the terrible things. And if you think that God is all-powerful, then you recognize that God has the power to stop bad things from happening, and demonstrates this power in the Bible. Demonstrates this power over and over and over again, the power to intervene in human activity. And yet, God does nothing. And yet, somewhere right now, somebody is being horribly abused, and God is doing nothing to help them. Now, once you recognize that this is what God God does or doesn't do. This is the this is the nature of God to be everywhere all the time and to be all knowing and to have the ability to stop bad things from happening then you cannot view God in any other light other than evil. Now, perhaps a Christian would say, well, yes, but God's also there for all the good things. But one must recognize that the amount of good things that can happen are fleetingly few in comparison to the amount of bad things that can happen. And therefore, just by the nature of good and evil, there is a lot more evil in the world at any one given time. There's a lot more bad things that can happen to you than good things that can happen 
happen to you. And not only that, but imagine this. Some of the best things that happen to you are done in private, right? Imagine the last time you made love to your partner and how wonderful that was and how joyous that was. And then imagine that there was somebody watching you at that most intimate of moment, that most private moment, that somebody was there judging your thoughts. Somebody was there judging whether or not you were circumcised. Someone was there to witness that. Now, clearly, that's nobody's business but your own, you and your partners. What a violation of trust that is. I can't think of anything more horrific than my father watching me make love to my partner. I can't think of anything more horrific than my father being there to witness that intimacy, to be looking as I as I stare into my lover's eyes, nose tip to nose tip, feeling their breath on my lips. I can't think of anything more horrible than my father's face to the right and then of course to the left, also putting his nose to our noses and feeling his breath on my face. This notion that God is a loving father is just disgusting in every sense of the word. What kind of loving father is intimate with you in that way? What kind of loving father is actually there when you do things like masturbate or when you do things like express your affection to somebody? Ugh, it just makes me sick to think about it. To think that those private moments weren't private and that by having God watch over us that it's anything other than an imposition. Especially when you consider what God demands you don't do, especially sexually and especially to yourself in private. All the things that God considers an abomination and sin that have nothing to do with him because we're alone and we're not hurting anybody and we're making love to our partner. Making love is a sin. How is that possible? So these ideas that God watches over while people are raped and tortured and murdered and doesn't stop it. And these ideas that God watch over us at our most intimate and private moments. These are horrific ideas. This is the kind of father that neither allows for you to grow as a person privately, nor rescues you from an onslaught of violation and anguish. What use is this God? And how could that notion of God be anything other than evil? Now, like I said, you know, many Christians would say, no, 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 it's a loving father. Well, even a loving father is a gross thing to have looking over your shoulder at every moment, taking up the space between the two, your eyes and your lover's eyes, somehow creating a God barrier around between your lips and your lover's neck. To say that God is inside me or on top of me or around me or a part of me is disgusting. I don't want anything to be a part of me while I do the things that I do with people that I care about. Ugh, okay, I'm done. I'm done talking about it. It's too, it's too much of a violation. It's too much to ask somebody to accept. And then not only that, but there's actually no shred of evidence to prove that that's true anyway. So perhaps I'm off on a little bit of a tangent there, but this is the reason why I wanted to liberate my mother from this kind of thinking. Because she was really being tortured over these ideas. And she had thought, well, I'm a good person and I do good things and therefore I should get rewards. And she wasn't getting very many rewards, if any. And, uh, and this was torturous to her. She didn't understand why. So I wanted to liberate her from these ideas. And so I took about 10 years it took to actually get her 
to recognize her atheism. And we discuss some of that in this following episode. We also discuss uh, some of the first five books. Now, I would definitely recommend that you read the first five books. You don't need to read more than that. And you really don't need to read more than the first three before you can recognize that the Bible is just bullshit. Um, If you really want a lesson, uh, you can read the whole thing through and you can see that the first five books are then repeated. The stories in those books are repeated over and over and over and retold and retold and retold over and over and over in the following books all the way up to the New Testament. But really, you can get just as much of an education about these stories from watching, you know, Dark Matter 2525's cartoons on YouTube or Holy Kool-Aid, another channel on YouTube. Um, But if you want the real word, if you want to really delve in, I do recommend it. Now, the NIV version, there's an audio version of that for free on YouTube, and it's pretty good. Um, It has like, you know, goat noises and background noises and stuff like you're on a farm and it has men's voices and women's voices and so on. And the NIV version is spoken in plain English. So when they say, you know, when when the King James Bible um, refers to a rape, it doesn't say the word rape, but the NIV version does. And so you get a real sense of what was happening. Um, and I recommend you do that if you if you feel like you want to, because it will make you into an atheist or at the very least uh, give you a better understanding of the nature of God. And hopefully, hopefully you're the kind of person that recognizes that this nature is not to be worshipped, that we would never want to to bow our head down or bend our knee to somebody or anything that behaved in this way and that thought this way and that wanted us to think this way. So let's listen in to my discussion with my mother. We had a good weekend and we're just chatting and I said, you know, that you and I were listening to the audio Bible online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did and she that, respond like when, when you said that? She said, "Oh, that sounds that sounds so interesting. You know, that's that's uh, that's something Paul would do." She said, <laughs> "You know, yeah, you mean read? Suck you into yeah, you know, listening to the Bible online? Yeah, no, yeah. read? Yeah, no, but you'd listen. But anyway, um, and and I said, oh, have you read this? I said, this is just." upsetting. And she said, well, it had been a long time or she wasn't even sure she had read the entire Old Testament. And so I was just telling her some of the things that occurred to me as I was listening to it. And, um, you know, just mentioned the two versions of Genesis and the creation, or the two versions of the creation in Genesis, and that it was written by Moses. And, I mean, there's hundreds of years, if not, I don't even know, I'd have to research that between Moses and Adam and Eve. I mean, yeah. you know, and just... Um, well, yeah. Moses was like fifth or sixth generation. I mean, Noah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody Moses. died first and then Noah <laughs> yeah. brought everybody back and then well, Moses no, Moses. didn't come around. No, Moses was the was be, way before Noah. No, because no, Moses you're was right. still you're alive right. You're right. Joshua. Moses you're right. died yeah. right before he handed over the reign to Joshua. Yeah, And then Joshua right. was his arrogance. That's right. Yeah, I was getting ahead of myself. But at any rate, um, you know, if this is the only account right? of the beginning. Yeah, exactly. But if this is, you know, the the only account of the beginning of the world according to God and how he created it. Wouldn't you want one very clear version? <laughs> and wouldn't you want it to, you know, it was just clearly to me anyway, when I was talking to her, I was just saying it's just so clear that it was written by someone who had no knowledge of science, you know, 
very limited, if any, because of the the whole record of how the animals, it's only the animals they knew about, the old McDonald kind of farm animals. You know, there was no mention of dinosaurs or anything that, okay, you know, yeah, anything that we know exists in the in the records and stuff. And mm-hmm. and she said, "Oh, um I just I just use those as stories." She said, "I don't really take it literally." Mm-hmm. And I I said, "Well, that's that's fine." But they said, "Even as stories, it's very they're horrible stories. It's like grim fairy grim's fairy tales. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. they're horrible. People are getting slaughtered and and human sacrifice and and Whoa. it portrays Lots God. So, yeah, yeah. All the incest and and take my daughters, the virgins, you know, mm-hmm. protect the guests and give your family up and just um, you know, just the horribleness of of it and the humanization of God, how jealous and um, full of rage and doubting, and, and how easily God accepts things like infidelity and concubines and whores and and slavery, multiple yeah. wives and mm-hmm. slaves, yeah, and just yeah. you know, just assuming it, there's no talk of well, when Noah, for instance, you know, couldn't have a child with his first wife, they said, well, we'll just impregnate our slave, and it was like, well, does the slave have yeah. anything to say about this? I mean, is there any? There's no mention yeah. of any consent at all. Yeah, no, there there isn't. It's just a given that the slave is going to do what Noah says. Right. And then, um, so I just moved on through some of the books. You know, I've I've only gone as far as Joshua. But um, but just some of the... You read the Torah. I mean, that was the Torah. Yeah. The, the first, first five books of the Torah, yep. and that, that is the foundation of the Jewish faith. Yeah. Yeah, that was Torahable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, terrific. Geez. Yeah, yeah, that was ter- terrific, terrific. Because it's just like, really, I-, I expected so much more of of the Jewish rendition. You know, I just thought it would be. If, I mean, well, we we are doing the that ni uh, new international version or whatever, but but yeah. still, it isn't. But it's plain English instead of yeah. the thou dart. Yeah, that kind of stuff. All that it's bullshit. Still missing a lot and of. Instead of saying things like the King James Bible said, like so that the, the in, yeah. so that the townspeople could have come to know the angels, they just say rate because that's what they meant. Mm-hmm. So they right. don't use cryptic terminology. Mm-hmm. But um, so just did exactly what I had done when you and I first started talking. Mm-hmm. She kept referring to a feeling that she has, that, that there's a higher power, and she didn't describe it too vividly, but it was just, she just had this feeling. And I said, well, you know, nature? I mean, are you talking about, because I said, yeah, I, I confused the awe and beauty of billions of years of evolution and nature with a higher power as well, you know, that you you can't just have all this beauty and all this um, variety and everything. <laughs> and then, and, and she said, well, kind of. Um, and I'm not sure if she believes in evolution. She didn't get into that as much as just the, the awe of nature and a feeling that she has. Mm-hmm. And that she, you know, and I said, well, go. I mean, I, I really wish I had that feeling of comfort or whatever, because I said, I don't feel like I'm protected at all by believing or not believing. I mean, you know, you'd think if you believe in God that you'd mm-hmm. be under some kind of umbrella that would protect you. Right. And, um, she said, oh, no, bad things happen to good people and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
then what's the point? <laughs> oh, then she said, if it keeps people doing good, you know, doing the right thing. And I said, well, laws do that as well as your inner conscience and your sense of what is right and wrong. I said, you don't need God and the fear of God to, to do that, you know, yeah. to do what's right. And, and she said, well, you know, she just kept coming back to this feeling. And so, and she didn't describe it all that well, but she said, I don't need proof. It's just faith. I know, you know, what I feel. And um, she said what I had said about what is it going to hurt, you know, to believe in God. And there is, if if there isn't one, oops, you know, and if there is one. And I said, oh, Paul told me what that was called and now I forgot. But there is Uh a term for that, just believing because, you know, it might be true or, you know, Uh you're covering your base. Pascal's wager is what it's called. There you go. Okay. I knew. Pascal was a philosopher that, that, yeah, he went over this. But go ahead. Okay. Well, then, then, um, what else? How was she reminding me so much of me when I was there? Because at that point, I mean, because yeah, because you said you listened a lot, so I'm curious as to what she's yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, just uh, um, when she prays, she said um, a lot of the times the things that she asks for happen, and I said, oh, and so she's attributing that to God, mm-hmm. and that um, oh, because when she doesn't know what the reason is for whatever she's talking about, you know? There's a, a word for that, too, that you... Oh, argument of ig- ignorance or something? Is that what it is? Because you don't oh, know yeah, what the cause a, is it? So yeah, it's that, a logical fallacy that you don't know it's an argument yeah. of ignorance. Yeah. If you, if you don't know exactly what it is, you attribute it to God. Mm-hmm. And um, and she just was talking about, you know, things that had happened to her. She had had some health issues when she was younger, and um, again, I said, well, you know, why why weren't you, I said, don't get me wrong, but I said, you know, isn't even baptized. And it wasn't like, you know, Catholic, but they haven't really um, exercised or practiced any religion. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, they just decided that they were going to just do what felt right to them by, you know, being the kind of people they want to be and not really going to any one church because mm-hmm. they hadn't found something that they both, you know, liked and whatever. But I don't know. I mean, she was just, it just reminded me so much of when when I was always saying, well, what would it hurt, you know, if you believe in this and it isn't true or whatever, the wager thing. And then um, not questioning things and using the, the Bible as stories. But then when it came to the commandments, those were literal, you know. So it went back and forth. Yeah, how did you get to that? How did you get to that point? Um, well, the commandments come said, quite a bit later. but Yeah, because I, I said, um, you know, about Exodus and all the things that that God kept doing and and still hardening Pharaoh's heart and everything. Mm, yeah, right. You know, yeah. and until it came to the part where all these And that's innocent, where Moses came in. Yeah. Right. And all these innocent children were killed then because Yeah, all the firstborn. Yeah, because God of Egypt. Yeah. wanted um wanted it to happen, but he kept hardening his heart so that they went to the next level of of the miracles, so to speak, that Moses was doing. Yeah, really atrocities, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, atrocities. But that they also, you know, could be mimicked by the wizards of the day. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, that nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Anyone could turn the water to blood and, yeah. Yeah. And their staffs also turned to snakes and all these things. And she said, well, those are just stories, you know. And I said, well, yeah, but what 
because I said, well, do you really believe then that um, that it was wiped out again with Noah? And we just kind of, you know, I guess we talked about that after. But, um, you know, how feasible is it? And and I went through uh, the Cain and Abel thing where Cain is afraid that people will kill him and so God puts a mark on him. And I'm like, what? There's only three people at that point, you know? Yeah. And um, basically she just kept saying, you know, that, that she doesn't need proof. It is just faith, which is believing something that has no proof. Mm-hmm. And and that feels the same way you do, kind of, that she needs proof, you know, or the same way we sure. do. Sure, yeah, she's been you know, educated. That, yeah, she's like, I, I just, I need, you know, and then I said, well, you know, God is God. I mean, there is no buddy above that. You know, that's supposed to be the end all, do all, know all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, why wouldn't he just make it easy for everybody and just appear and just say, look, you know, the ones that are going to follow me, here's what you get. You know, and all the rest. I said, why is there always so much mystery and no proof? It always has to be blind faith. And um, I said, that just shows me that it's a man-made thing and there isn't anything real behind it, you know. Mm -hmm. And all the different versions, the Mormons, you know, there's just so many different versions. You would think it would just be clear cut and it would be ABC, you know, down the line, do this, do this, do this. Mm-hmm. And she just kept going back to the the feeling thing, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it just reminded me of how I felt in in that time when you were talking to me about it. It's like, okay, well, there is no logic, there is no reason. I'm I'm just gonna you know let her babble, and she just kept talking about how things have happened after she prayed about it or talked to God about it or whatever. What did you get out of it? To, what did you, like, um, at the end of the conversation, you know, how did you feel about the whole situation and what she had said and what you had thought about what she had said and everything? I think I, I felt like I've been where she is, you know, mm-hmm. and there wasn't, if it weren't for you explaining things to me and offering me other options, I still see a lot of the indoctrination in her that I saw in myself you know, the way we were brought up and and everything, although she's been removed, you know, from that for a long time. And so have I, but but it's there's part that is just ingrained in you. That's the indoctrination part, of course, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's in there, and you, you feel, I don't think she feels guilty like I did, but I mean, I felt kind of guilty admitting that, that there wasn't a God, you know. It was yeah. like totally, I just... I didn't think there was going to be like a bolt of lightning coming down or anything, but it just made me feel sad um, because it is just thrust upon people. It's just ingrained in in people that have no choice at the age where you just, you trust people. You trust your parents not to, you know, lie to you. You trust your teachers Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and I think that's kind of what she was saying too was that they wanted to give the kids choices. But <laughs> I said, well, that's kind of dangerous. That's what I did with Paul, too. I didn't force him. We didn't really go to a church every Sunday. But I said, then they are smarter than we are, so they figure things out differently because, mm. you know, there's logic and reason, and we just didn't question it at all, you know. Well, and I don't remember mention. there being a lot of fear. I mean... I certainly thought that if I didn't believe in God, I was going to go to hell. And I certainly knew about that. And I knew that, you know, God was vengeful. And I knew that, I mean, there there was fear. I had fear, but I don't feel like you pushed fear onto me. If I got that, it right. was from church. And 
Yeah. We did go to church uh, we did. really we often to when I was younger. The Lutheran church. Um, yeah. and, and I think you went to Sunday school. I remember I fourth did. grade because I, I wanted I you to I remember get... going to Sunday school. Yeah. And I remember asking a lot of questions at Sunday school that seemed to stifle the progress of the class. Right. The yeah. story that I, I tell is that I was kicked out for asking questions. I'm not sure <laughs> how true that is. Um, yeah, I, I don't That's how I remember that. it, but I could easily be misremembering it. You know, I just yeah. I don't know. What do you remember of that? Well, I think they would have contacted me. I know we stopped going for a reason, but I thought it was, you know, it certainly wasn't anybody saying, you know, that you were asking too many questions. Although you, you were a good listener and asked, you did ask a lot of questions, good questions. But, and maybe they did. You know, maybe I'm just blocking that out because you got me kicked out of so many places, you know, <laughs> the exercise, yeah. aerobics, whatever. With my tenacity, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, um, but I don't, I don't remember that specifically. I think it was more my laziness. And then as you got a little bit older, you had a paper route and yeah. you also had sports and whatever. So definitely by the time you were 10, um, which is fourth grade. So, you know, you were 12 when you had your paper out. So maybe those two years, it was like maybe when you were like uh, 10 and 11 or something. Because I remember wanting to have the fellowship of a church. And um, and then I felt terribly pressured to give money that we didn't have. You know, there's, there's like they um, kept sending me contribution sheets with <laughs> my balance being zero. You know, because I would put in cash, but only a couple dollars because, you know, we just didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, no, nor should we be giving it to church. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's another pressure. It's like they expected 10% of what I made and they wanted to know what I made. And I'm like, you know, that's really none of your business. And I realized it's a business and they have bills to pay and all that. But you don't think about it so much as being something that you have to contribute to. I thought that was more voluntary. I was surprised that it wasn't, that it was more expected. Mm -hmm. uh, And people actually came to the house to try to have me... um, Increase, you know, to try to have me use the envelopes because those are more monitored. They're numbered and and all that, and then they get a better idea of what they can count on if you pledge a certain amount, you know. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I just said, well, I'm sorry. I'm I'm at a point where, and I said, God, God knows this, <laughs> you know. If he's yeah. the one that's providing my income abilities, uh, he knows that, you know, I only have the $2 or the 5 or whatever it is that I put in there. And um, and I felt I felt pressured of, uh, like, to wear certain things, too. You know, the Catholics can show up in jeans and their work clothes and whatever, but it seemed like Gloria Day, where we went, everybody was in high heels and nylons and dresses, and I didn't have a whole bunch of that. Because I worked at the Nature Center, and so I wore jeans, you know, to work. Sure. But, yeah, you were very astute for your age. I can imagine if you did start asking questions that the Sunday school teacher's level of knowledge wouldn't have been able to, you know, well, I don't, have been I don't able know to how answer it, things. Yeah, I don't know how it went. I just remember having a class that we talked about the Bible, and I had, like, my own little version of the Bible. Yep, and that then, was that. I remember, you know, asking a lot of questions and not really getting anywhere. And I remember frustration. I don't know how true all this is, by the way. But then I remember having a discussion with you and some kind of, I don't know if he's like, I don't know what you call him, like a priest or whatever. But he was like in his office and he was smoking a pipe and we were talking and I was kind of 
stunned that he was smoking a pipe. I don't know why. I just thought that was weird because we were talking in in our classes about not, you know, not hurting your body or not putting anything bad into your body and and just just I don't know. I remember you being there, but I don't know how I don't know how much of this is true. It, it's so hard to piece together those memories because they're so old and, yeah. and the brain is so good at misremembering and filling in the blanks and stuff like that. And I don't know if that was a discussion where I was asking questions and it was sort of like, look, you just can't ask these kinds of questions. And then I was turned off to that or like turned off to the church itself or what? I I don't know exactly how it all went down, but I I don't know if you remember that interaction at all. Well, I don't. You know, just uh, like I said, I only remember um, in fourth grade, you would get your Bible from Gloria Day. And that's the whole point of why I started going to church there was that I wanted, you were old enough at that point at 10 to, to um, you know, receive your own Bible and and you would have undergone a, a little bit of instruction because it was, it's called um, that, that you're um, confirmed. So mm-hmm. it's you confirming, it's confirmation, you confirming your baptismal uh, people, you know, when they baptize the babies, they have sponsors that stand up for the baby because the court baby can't talk. So it's at that age where you accept the responsibility of your own beliefs then, and they mm-hmm. give you your own Bible and all that stuff. And I thought that was kind of neat because, you know, I had gone through that. Sure. And that would have been the time that, that we would have been in the minister's, um, not so much their office. I mean, I can't remember his office was downstairs down in the church basement um but but it, it could have been they could have individually chatted with each child you know that was in the I, I class uh, yeah i don't really yeah. know what that whole meeting was about i just i piece it together in my own mind but i don't know how much of it is true yeah well it it could have happened i i don't remember it but like you know when you were 10 mm-hmm. I, yeah it was 40 so that's a long time ago yeah so back to is there anything else that she said that you that stood out or anything that was just like did you notice anything about her like her body language or just anything like that that seemed to deflate or seemed to seem to not really be satisfactory even to herself because I noticed that when I talk to people a lot of the times when they say well it's just you know it's just face they kind of get this glossed look or this sort of blank look almost like a deer in the headlights kind of look like anything you ask after this is completely I'm just I'm closed or I'm I'm just glossed over or, or yeah, I don't she, I don't have any answers, so you should stop. I mean, I don't know yeah. how she portrayed yeah. herself to you, but people tend to either just totally deflate and be like, I just I don't. And that's what ha- that's what happened when I talked to about it. She just sort of deflated, and then she actually started crying, which I thought was interesting. So she even uh-huh. went as far as to try to manipulate me. Um, not that she forced herself to cry or anything, but I think it's just a reaction that people have. You know, pity me mm-hmm. because I'm now crying. So well, stop asking such good questions, essentially. Is yeah, with, with I think she just gets into a totally different place. You know, being as close to death as she is, and it's emotional just being 90, you know. Well, this but, was a while ago, but yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, um, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, she wasn't, she was a spry 82 or something like that. But, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, she was still old as fuck, but she wasn't like, yeah. She wasn't, wasn't on death's door like she is. Going now. up I mean, the stairs into the, yeah, yeah chariot or whatever. Yeah, she die any yeah. minute, you know, right yeah. now. Um, well, all I noticed about was, and, and maybe, I mean, you're so much more in tune with this stuff. Um, but she just didn't want to talk about it anymore 
but um, I could tell from her answers just kept circling around the same thing. So that's what I had said to you in my in my note was, you know, I knew that she wasn't using logic or reason, and I was just going to get this feeling thing. It's because I feel this way, because mm-hmm. I have this feeling, because I feel this way, you know, and over and yeah. over. And so I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that for now. You know, we'll get yeah. into it again later, because there's lots of more good gore and guts and stuff to talk about in the Bible. Sure. (laughs) Lots of reasons to discount that feeling. Oh, yeah. There's tons of other things. But but I knew that at that point she just wasn't going to go any further because that's that's the point I was at, too. When you were, you know, offering me different options, it's like you you just have a feeling, you know, or you just that's because I feel that way. Well, that's that whole indoctrination thing, you know, and she, she can't get past that either. It's really difficult. Well, and to, in her defense, yeah, it starts with indoctrination, but then it's also re, it's also reinforced with her praying and stuff. And she's not recognizing, for instance, the confirmation right. bias. Yeah, yeah. So she prays and she gets what she wants. But what about all the times she prayed and she didn't get what she wanted? Yeah, well, then and how come she, how come she's not how come she's not you know um, cured of her migraine? How come how come she's not getting a lot of the things that she wants? Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't tally any of those losses. She doesn't. She doesn't tally any of the times God forsaken her. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't pay attention to the losses. She only pays attention to wins and then attributes those to God. Whereas you know maybe she took a Tylenol and it worked. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Yeah, because because that's exactly right. You know, every time something bad happens, it's the devil or something. It isn't God letting you down. Right. You know, everybody fails to. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people fail to recognize that God is the devil. I mean. There's there's no difference between the two. I mean, if God's in control of the devil, right, then yeah. whenever the devil does something bad, um, it's God doing something bad. Mm-hmm. But, well, it, and certainly it's it's something God could stop if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah, easily you could he, pray and have it have it. If, if something you made were doing something you didn't like, you could just, you know, flick it off. <laughs> right. Just give it a Which he did take. many, many, many times in the Old and New Testament, right? I mean, so... We have plenty of evidence in the Bible showing us that God can 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 stop people from can doing annihilate, things, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that He doesn't want them to do, yeah, you know, or in some weird instances like hardening Pharaoh's heart, you know, can prevent God. God can prevent people from doing things that He wants them to do, yeah, which just is so that He can get bizarre. to the next level. So you can kill everybody's kids, yeah. What it said, yeah, about to my glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part was that's. Hard to take. Yeah, and he hardens people's hearts later in the in in the story too. I think in Joshua he hardens. Well, do you um, notice how they repeated the story kind of of Lot? It was those the two spies that went to visit um, Jericho, and then they mm-hmm. stayed with a, a prostitute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rahab or whatever her name was, and mm-hmm. and then no, no, wait a minute, it yeah, was it. yeah, okay. But anyway, the the story of. Of um of Lot giving up his virgin daughter and or daughters instead of the two visiting angels. Mm-hmm. So this th- that story is repeated. It's almost like whoever is writing it is you know not getting it quite right. They're just repeating right. some of the chapters. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, whoever had the concubine. I mean it it, it wasn't everybody the, had a concubine, but yeah. Yeah, but he's the one that cuts her up in twelve pieces then. Oh yeah, Gosh, Never, I don't even um, remember all those details, or at least yeah. the details of that particular part of the story. That's why I want to read it again and take some notes and and sort of 
streamline the story. You know, get rid of all the beget, beget, beget crap and get rid of all the stuff that doesn't matter and just focus on the lead characters and what did they do? What did they say? How did they behave? Mm-hmm. As opposed to all the, you know, we don't need to go over numbers again. We don't need to know how many animals were burnt and in what fashion and where you need to sprinkle the blood and why and all that stuff. Because that's just, I mean, it's just throughout that those first five books. It's just, if you're not covering things in blood, you know what I mean, which is bizarre. Yeah. You're you're doing something else, but what about those people that were with God? That's what I really want to. I want to do a commentary on that. I'd love for mm-hmm. you to be involved in that. We talked about that. Yeah. And uh, and to say so, what does it mean to have God with you? What, what can you expect? What what can you expect to receive? What can you? How can you expect to act? How might you be perceived by other people? I mean, if you're if you're Moses, you're one of the worst people that's ever lived. Yeah. He just spits venom and and causes all kinds of terror on the people around him constantly, and it's just you know, is that really who you would want to be? Well, and look at all the people that had all the tr- all the people that were inhabiting the land that God supposedly promised to the Israelites. Right. Were all take the the sword was taken to them, all of them. Right. Genocide. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wiped out. Yeah. I mean, time and God, after time after time. And in Joshua, God even hardens their hearts so that they can't make any treaties with those people. So their only option, according to the Bible, was to, to slaughter them because God yeah. hardened their heart. So, and they say that explicitly. So God had a chance. It implies that it, it would have been possible to live among them and make treaties with them and to, and to become, you know, to integrate them or to be integrated with them, and, and God wasn't having it. And then not only that, but the commandment of don't, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be fornicating with them. You shouldn't give any of your daughters to them their sons, you shouldn't you shouldn't intermingle with them, you shouldn't take on any of their um rituals, none of nothing. You can lend them money, you can t- you can take them as slaves, you can murder them. Those are about the three things that you can do. Yeah. And but you shouldn't intermingle trouble. with people. It's very tribal. I'm having trouble understanding where all these people came from. You know, if <laughs> yeah. Moses has the core of Abraham, Isaac, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of the core of of who God created, then why would God promise land to them that already belongs to someone else? And where'd all those people come from? Right. They're clearly not those 12 tribes that were supposed to be the origin of all life and whatever. Right. And it's like, why promise land when it's already, you know, wouldn't you think that it would just be there waiting for them? They wouldn't have to go through all this murdering. Yeah, who, who would have populated it? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who <clears throat> populated it? And That's part of what I want to get into as well is where did these people come from and how, how are they accounted for? I don't, I don't know that they are. And if they yeah. were, then they were Israelite. They were they were the sons and daughters of Abraham. So, if you know, if, they, if the Egyptians were anything, they were some tribe of Israel because that was all that there was. So, yeah. so some tribe of Israel took on the Israelite, the chosen Israelite, not the ones that he murders for fun. Mm-hmm. The chosen Israelites as slaves, and then he has, you know, it's just it's bizarre. And then during Joshua, their conquest of the rest of God of Abraham's offering. So it, it, yeah, it's, it doesn't. It's kind of like killing your cousins and stuff. I mean, you yeah, know, if if it they are really follow. So no, it, that doesn't make sense at all. And and just wiping everybody out, all the cattle and children and just mm-hmm. everything is just it's so bizarre and. So then they burn everything. I mean, can you imagine the the carnage? 
of all yeah. this dying by the sword and babies and heads and I mean yeah. icky stuff and and they must have had to burn them because geez that's a lot of digging if they're trying to bury them. No, you're right though. He said to burn everything, burn it all to the ground. Yeah, and don't but raise then, it again. So all these cities that they could have inhabited, that they could have lived in, they just burned to the ground and they didn't ever raise them again. According well, to the book. Well, that doesn't make I mean, sense to me either because no, why I mean, would what's you, the use of the land if you can't? Yeah, and why would you destroy all the existing, you know, whatever uh, buildings or tents or I don't know what they lived in? But, yeah, you know. Why wouldn't Building, you? Yeah. It, it's kind of, I don't know. That part is like, you know what? You didn't think this through. <laughs> you know, you promised them the land. Other people inhabited it. Oh, by the way, where'd they come from? Yeah. And then, you know, I just kept feeling like it, it wasn't very well thought out, even as a story, you know. No, just yeah, not even. Over and over, so much murdering and slaughter and unnecessary, you know. Well, it's just nonsensical ritual, and why are we burning all the bulls and the calves and the lambs and all this stuff? Yeah. Like, why can't we just use that, you know? And then and then the uh, Levites weren't to inherit anything because they were God's slaves. So they got all the wave offerings and the drink offerings and the grain offerings, right? So mm-hmm. the Levites were essentially like the prototype for the church, right? The Catholic church, and the, you know, they're, they're tithing, essentially. People are tithing to the Levites. Yeah. And then after all this hubbub about them not getting any land then he forces all the 12 tribes to give up a couple cities for the Levites with pasture lands and all this other stuff so they end up with land either way so because they have to have their goats somewhere right all these goats right. are brought to them that they didn't slaughter and sprinkle their blood all over everything and then burn they needed those those goats had to live somewhere so they ended up with land either way they ended up inheriting all this land either way but apparently they didn't inherit it from the fathers and sons of the other tribes, they inherited it, I guess, from God or I don't, they don't really go into the detail of how that all happened. Um, no. They don't they account don't. for it. It's very bizarre. I don't feel like you were indoctrinated either. I mean, you know, it wasn't like me in um, Sunday school every Sunday, parochial school every well, day. No, I, I don't think I was indoctrinated to the level that you and was, but I was indoctrinated. I mean, I was told that God exists. I was told oh, that hell exists. Yeah. That yeah. I would go to hell if I didn't believe in God, and I wasn't just told by you. I was told by other people. I was told by yeah. grandma and grandpa. I was told by everybody at the church. I mean, I, I wasn't deaf, blind, and dumb. I, I I could hear what they were telling me at church, uh-huh. you know, and I believed in hell. I believed in the devil. I believed in all that until I was older. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't indoctrinated, well, just not to the level that you were. I was. It wasn't yeah. drilled into me. I mean, we didn't have a lot of sit downs where it was like, look, if you don't believe this, you're going to go to hell. You're going to mm-hmm. burn. You can't do this and you can't do that and you have to think this way. And one thing that you did try to indoctrinate into me that wasn't, um, that you were rather persistent about that we've had fats in the past about was honoring you for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. I'm a parent. I'm a mother. I'm number four commandments. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the, one of the one of the friction points that we've had in the past is that so if if I ask you questions or if I in any way pass any kind of judgment on something you've done, mm-hmm. or if I in any way pass judgment on something you've said. So if I tell you that this makes me feel a bad way or if I'm describing something you've done that reflects on you poorly, criticism or, or whatever, you don't, you go to this, but you're supposed to respect and honor me. Thing. That's where that, mm-hmm. that's where that, your, that's where that retort comes from, from you. So instead of being accountable for your, your things that you say and do, 
you say, well, it doesn't matter what I say and do. You're just supposed to be, you're supposed to essentially worship me. And that's where we've come into friction before, you know. And then if I don't worship you, then you say that I don't love you, which is, they're not equivalents, and that's where I get enraged. Well, define worship, because that's kind of an odd word. Well, I'm using it in, in, in the biblical sense. It, it, I guess it, you're supposed to respect me and, and love me no matter what. I'd like 10% of what you make, you know. That's sure, good. yeah, that yeah. would be nice. But, but um, that's what that's your position. So if I say, oh, well, you said this, and it hurt my feelings in this way, and it's also incorrect in this way, and I'm providing feedback and criticism to something you've said or done, you don't you don't reflect on that. You say it doesn't matter. You're supposed to respect and love me either way, no matter what. And yeah, and if I've, I say I've, something more critical, or if I in some way say why should I respect you, then you say you don't love me. You equate those mm-hmm. two things rather quickly in our discourse, yeah. and it that's when I get inflamed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do do that. Yeah. And, um, but that's a, that's a form of indoctrination. There's this idea that I have to love you, this compulsory love, as Hitchens said, you know, this idea mm-hmm. that no matter what you say or do, whether it's truthful or not, whether there's any good reason or any good logic behind it. Yeah, um, you're right. That is. Yeah. I have to respect and love you. And if I mm-hmm. talk back at all or, or dissent in any way, I'm breaking this commandment, this you have to respect and love me commandment. And then if I say, well, of course I love you, you can see how I treat you and how I act. And you say, no, 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 you don't love me because you're talking back to me, essentially. And that's where it gets, that's where it spirals out of control. Mm-hmm. Generally, when we talk, that's where I get the most upset. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in, in my life, there has been a hierarchy of authority or whatever. You know, it's like, okay, there's policemen, <laughs> you know. And there's um, parents, teachers, you know, and just because they're older and supposedly know more than I do, you know, that that's that's kind of the level of of like a respect thing that that I've adopted, you know. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where I was coming from. And then I think I validate your your position. Oh, no, not at all. No, it doesn't. And and I had, we had talked about this when you were home at Christmas. It's like okay, so I I give my mother a lot more leeway. I don't hold her as accountable, you know, for things or what she says or does. Yeah. And I just have to get over that. You know, that's the way that it's kind of like when she would say, "Because I said, because I'm your mother." You know, right, right. Because I'm in authority here. You're the child. Yeah. You know, and no matter how old you get, you're always going to be my child. Right. I'm always going to be your mother. But that that level of authority is incredibly um, demeaning, and it doesn't have any it doesn't have any basis on in reality. Right. You know what I mean? But but when you, when you, when, so for instance, when, when you do try to hold grandma's feet to the fire, look at the kinds of things she, look at how she responds. You know, she, you know, that interaction that we had a while back where you and everybody was having a hard time with her and she was like, I thought you were my friend, Paul, and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, look, you are being a pain in the ass. You shouldn't (laughs) let people come in here and help you. You complain Mm -hmm. endlessly about your shoulder because you can't pick grandpa up, but you won't let somebody come in and pick him up. Yeah. You reject these people that are trying to help you and you're making this harder than it needs to be. And she ended up asking us to leave. Yeah. Yeah, which is fine. But she, you know, doubled over prostrate or whatever that word is and, and oh but I thought you were my friend and just this manipulative you know mm-hmm. display and and that's the moment that I lost a ton of respect for grandma I was like alright well fuck you you know you, you thought I was your friend well, I thought you had integrity you know I thought you actually 
yeah. understood how to treat people. You're not. You're just you're dogmatically holding on to this idea that you know best just because you're old or what. I don't know. But this is clearly it's false. This is this isn't true and it's stupid. I mean, you are being a pain in the ass and you should live up to that and you should reflect on that and you should try and curb that because you're hurting the people around you. Mm-hmm. And she didn't she wasn't having any of that. It was just but I'm but I thought you were my friend, so it was clearly a manipulation. Mm-hmm. And I hate being manipulated. It's my least favorite thing. Yeah, well, that's normal. Mm. Some people don't seem to mind. They just I don't say, oh, think well, everyone, that's just how she is. But I don't think everyone recognizes it, number one, the way you do. And I don't attribute her crying to trying to manipulate me. I see her I as just emotional, you know? No, I think that's a discount of... I hear what you're saying. I, I think that that's valid. I think that she is emotional. But I also think that it stems from... So, like, when you talk to a child and you say, you know, no, you can't have another piece of candy. You've had three pieces of candy, and that's just too much sugar. It's not healthy. And they start crying. Yeah. Now, there's clearly no reason to start crying. It's just candy. And there's there's always tomorrow. I mean, there'll be plenty. You get three more pieces tomorrow, so you'll be fine. It's not something that's that's going to kill them. And they just start crying. That's the exact same thing. I mean, this is the exact same strategy that she's employing. Mm. Now, she may or may not be cognizant of it in the sense that she's like, I'm going to start crying now because that will get me what I want. Yeah. She she may not be proactively doing that, but she's reactively doing that. Okay. So, there we have it. Um, We go over a lot, and my mom obviously got a lot out of that reading. Um, She really does take to these to to education quite well. I wish she would read more. I encourage her to read off often and I don't think she does very often, but when she does, it's amazing how well she picks up the information, builds her vocabulary and understands the the text. Um it really adds a, a new dimension to her intellect that is very encouraging to me. Well, there you have it. Uh our impressions on the first 5 books and then also um my mother looking to reach out to the folks in her life to see how they feel about their faith. Interesting stuff. She sounds like she made some headway with the person that she spoke to, although she found what I often find with religious people, and that's that they don't really have anything to point to to validate their faith. That was the big reason, or one of the big reasons, why I walked away from my faith uh, many, many years ago. Now, for the longest time, it seems, um, you know, I was a God-fearing Christian, and I really am sad about the time spent feeling that way and really wish I had not been raised in that way. And I encourage you, our listeners, to question your faith. It's going to be something that we talk about uh, to a, to a, at a much deeper level, to a greater extent in Season 2 where I have a three-part discussion with a theist. Um, I hope you'll enjoy that episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Year Seduction. 